0: Hey guys, welcome to another dispatch from the Venice Film Festival. I'm so pleased that I had the chance to chat with actor Jared Harris and director Adrian Sibley yesterday on the day of their big premiere here at the fest of their documentary The Ghost of Richard Harris. Jared, who we of course know as an acclaimed actor himself from Chernobyl, The Terror, Mad Men, Lincoln, you name it. He and his brothers, Damien and Jamie, are sharing this momentous event together here. They star in the documentary about their father, among many other colleagues and friends like Russell Crowe, Jim Sheridan, Vanessa Gredgrave, and more. This isn't a biopicky kind of doc, it's more of a fascinating study into understanding the man Richard Harris, if, if that's the right word, the huge presence that he was, for good and bad, as their father, as well as such a huge presence for so many others around him. Richard Harris, such a celebrated career on stage and screen, from Lindsay Anderson's This Sporting Life to Camelot, Gladiator, and finding his way to a whole new generation as Albus Dumbledore in the Harry Potter films. He had a reputation that he certainly liked to share both in the press and to others. He was a rebel rouser, a rule breaker, and by no means a traditional father, as you'll hear here in our talk, unless you call pulling up to your son's game at school in a Rolls-Royce and a fur coat traditional. Anyway, here's my chat with Adrian Sibley and Jared Harris on location at the Venice Film Festival. Mr. Sibley, Mr... Jared Harris, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. I know that you were approached by a lot of documentarians and producers through the years for this film. Why Mr. Sibley?
1: Well, actually, this started between my elder brother and Adrian. And, um, and Adrian had made uh, a lot of really good documentaries. And, and Adrian said he wanted to do one on dad. and then So my elder brother introduced Adrian to my dad at a dinner. And I'll let you take over
2: yeah so I met him at the Savoy where he used to live and we he was kind of interviewing me uh, but at the same time checking me out and it, it was really interesting I mean it was a fascinating interview it was, he was the type of man that could hold an audience in the palm of his hands with this story <laughs> yeah but at the same time what he was doing is he was checking out whether he wanted to work with me and in fact whatever reason I passed the test but unfortunately he passed away and then that's when Jared got involved so I'm gonna hand the mic back to him yes.
1: yeah what happened so the, that the movie didn't happen and 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 over adrian and i would chat over the sort of intervening years and saying what a shame it was that it didn't happen and then nothing had really been done on him there was no biography written of him or anything like that and there was sort of the standard film biographies done by the movie channel which is just a sort of trot through a career thing and um i just we just neither of us let it go did we and and uh We just felt like like, something needed to be done and and that that fire was inside of
2: Adrian from the beginning. He was too interesting to be consigned to the history of cinema in the way that he had been.
0: The format, it's not a biography of his career. Um, What really shook me when my mother passed away is that I discovered her through so many other relationships that I didn't know of and I think you've done that. Was that something you came in with intent?
2: It's a really good point because although Richard's career was fascinating it was a lot of different things happened and and Richard was somebody that responded in the moment and as far as I could see and believed in what he did and when he didn't believe in something he would do something else he would just move on whereas what we wanted what I felt was very potent about him is how much of an impact he had on the people that he'd been involved with and actually the, the reason why it was interesting to have the boys involved his boys brothers and Jared being a great actor himself now but they'd had to live you know Brancusi said uh, a, a great thing uh, and he used to study t- with Rodan, if I can be a little bit pretentious if that's okay he, it's a scu- they're sculptors, it. thank you they're sculptors and Brancusi said nothing grows under great trees So an acorn will not grow under a great tree And he had to move away from Rodan in order to become Brancusi And I think, say, Jared is a great Example of that, is that in some ways he moved Away from what his father did to become the actor He was, but the impact Of Richard Gay on people his his children, but also other people, gave me the opportunity to explore the fundamental truth of parents and and how it is in your relationship with that parent, but also how if you lose that parent, they are still with you, not necessarily just inside you, but in places and and that's what was so potent and Richard Richard's life force was so strong. We were able to do that. So I'm really glad you say Would that.
0: You I want to ask you, Jared. So you've worked with Stellan Skarchgor. Yeah. One of the things that I remember him saying, he's a father of many, as you know. <laughs> Sure. is that his biggest advice is don't lie. And your father was, of course, he had a full <laughs> life. He was a rebel rouser. I was wondering, did he always tell you the truth
1: um, as kids? Like all good Irishmen, every story starts from a kernel of truth. And as you tell that story and retell it, you sort of find the the, the best form of that story, which isn't necessarily... Um, grounded to the truth of what originally happened i mean one of the things that i happened after he died was i would run into friends and i would hear stories that he had told and discover that most of them were true Mm. but you know or most of a story he told me was true but normally the punchline was changed and something like that i mean there was the famous story that one of his famous stories that he told was about Disappearing for weeks on end, and, and being told that my mother was going to divorce him, and he comes back to the house, knocks on the door, and she comes down, and she said and he looks at her and says, "Why didn't you pay the ransom?" Right, <laughs> which is a great punchline. Now, th- actually, what happened with that was it was all true except for the punchline. The punchline was Danny Jansen's, who was the um, what's the show? The fugitive, yes. and he had become friends with Danny Jansen, and his wife told my father that story, and where because he would disappear, and one of the times he came back and he said, "Why didn't you pay the ransom?" And my father went, "That's a great punchline. I'm stealing it." Okay. So, but I mean, so the, a lot of the stories are there's sort of a, there's a uh, there's a grain of truth with them, but you know, if he found a good punchline, he would pinch it.
0: But did you feel as a kid that he would? come back that he when he left for those periods of time or you were at boarding school did you have trust in in, in him in that sense?
1: I don't remember him being at home when I was young Mm -hmm. um my elder brother does um I I and then at the time that my memories start to become clear we were off at boarding school so uh and that's really where my 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 images of him uh, are, are clearer. Him visiting us at school. I mean, Damien was telling us a story the other day that he, re- he remembers, he was the captain of the first 11 football team. And um, this Rolls-Royce arrives on to, drives up onto the school grounds, up to the pitch. And then my father gets out with this whoever his latest girlfriend was in big fur coats with a jug of pims and they watched the football match and they all cheer for him you know come on d come on d and then um get back into the car when the match was over and took off
0: (laughs) and he didn't say hello to him was he proud of the fact that his father came or was he disappointed that he didn't stay
1: i remember always well you never knew when he was going to show up um because again there were days there was a specific there were two weekends a term when the parents were allowed to come visit their children and take them out those are the two weekends you knew you'd never see dad Mm. and he would show up when he wanted to and you'd, su- you'd be in the middle of a class and suddenly you'd see him walking down the corridor or someone would go, Harris, Harris, your father's here. And he'd wave at you and then be taken on a tour of the school, basically find something that need to be fixed at the school, bribe the headmaster and
2: say, I'll take care of that. And he goes, now I'll give you my children. <laughs> I wanted to say something about Richard and Lies because I think that's a, it's, it's actually uh, looks like something that's just funny but actually it's very pertinent to who he was and if you notice um, I, I found an amazing thing Jared opened his the estates uh, archive to me and it was it was in a lockup in, in in a place in Oxford and it was kind of hard to get hold of So I had loads of tapes and bits and pieces and I found one of these reels And I thought this is really interesting. I wonder what this is and it was the promo For his tour of America in the early 70s when he had moved into this Review kind of show where he sang and did mm-hmm. poetry and Richard Voices it and just makes it up for the director whoever's doing it and it it starts with, My name is Richard Harris. I'm coming to your town tonight and I'm going to tell you some lies. <laughs> and then he goes, No, my name is Richard Harris. I'm coming into town and I'm going to lie to you all night. And then he goes, No, my name is Richard Harris. And he keeps doing this. And if you notice in the documentary, you'll hear him going, I'm Richard. And I nearly, I was thinking that the best poster would be for Venice if we did one was, My name is Richard Harris and I'm going to tell and you I'm some sorry. lies. And so that was the significance and he knew what he was doing. And it was not that he didn't want to tell the truth. It was much more fun to say something that wasn't truthful.
0: that So in terms of, of the lying and in terms of the fact that he seemed to enjoy or want to have the public persona of, you know, telling funny stories about his escapades and drinking things. Do you think he was protecting something with that that there was certain things that like if i do this they won't i can keep my inner life and my kids and to myself
1: well i mean that's a that's a good question my i haven't thought of that before but the immediate thing that comes to my mind is is that um i i think in some on a, a very conscious level he was aware that he'd constructed his personality you know um and i I was aware of that. I'd watch him when we would go home to Ireland later in his life, and he'd be around his his brothers and stuff and he was muted and um that there there the, there was a version of himself that he was that was true amongst his family, but there was a truer version of himself that he enjoyed more when he was away from his family and he was out in the public in front of people who didn't know him, and then he could be that version of himself that entertained him most. You know, um, so I don't know if it was necessarily a lie or not, but um, but he never. He, I think part of the thing about openly saying that he was gonna lie to you was he wanted to make it difficult for you to figure out who he was cuz he he did not want you to figure out who he was and whenever we would when we were older and you'd be having conversations and uh, or you'd be getting into sort of a conflict when you started to sort of hone in on something about him which you do when you're in an argument with somebody he would he would say you don't psychoanalyse me you're not smart enough to do it and he would he would turn in an opposite direction so you he'd frustrate you
2: so i mean that was a really interesting thing about making the film because i would have loved to made the film with richard and it would have been a very different film but and i think we would have been great collaborators collaborators especially at that time when i was a little bit more bullish and he was the bull (laughs) <laughs> so we could have had a really good time with it but it would have there would have been blood on the floor i think and i think one of the interesting things about this journey and making this film is I wanted to be give him the voice to explain as much as I felt that he could do and actually there were lots of things that I didn't go down the path with because I felt that the interesting thing about Richard was he wasn't a person that would say I know who I am and I'm going to tell evolving. you uh, and he evolved and I think that's one of the reasons why that he didn't want to be psychoanalyzed because he was a different person at different stages of his life very human again I thought that's what I liked him
1: but, you know, it's interesting, because one of the things that, at uh, an extent, and, and it, su- it surprises me, and I don't know how he did it, is that Joe Jackson got Dad to
2: reveal he part... of
0: long he- interviews. Yeah.
2: We used a lot of Joe's interviews to, as the heart, because what Joe Jackson did, which was great, is he was a, a, a journalist that got involved with Richard and Richard was unhappy with the other biographies that were out about him and he decided that he would go on a path to, to uh, tell this guy his story now it never actually happened but they did do three interviews and we, Jared told me about them and then we managed to get them from Joe to listen to and I used those and they actually provided the heart of the film in many ways
1: Is, uh, when you say that there would have been blood on the floor what immediately sprung my mind about that was in the very first uh interview that joe tried to do with dad he they actually almost got into a fist fight (laughs) (laughs) because joe joe took a rather sort of well he says a rather he deliberately pretentious tone with him which immediately got my father's back up, and it sort of it started from this sort of very heated conflict and then somehow through there he managed to uh, get through that gate if Classic you like. Know, right? How was that
0: rage side of him for you as kids? We hear a lot about how it was for actors and for collaborators, but what about for you?
1: I mean, uh, you know, he you were always aware that there was this, that he had a temper. But I mean, mostly, i he he indulged us as children in the sense that he liked, he encouraged us to when we were kids he encouraged us to be kids you know he would lose his temper with us as people as parents do lose temper with him All um time, you know. yeah um, <laughs> have- uh, but i i mean i n- i never saw him wreck a room or anything like that um but i mean his he, you know when he lost his temper it was a scary thing as it is when your parent loses your te- their temper with you and and in, in his stories that he would tell there was always that sort of element of violence that was there you know um but i never he never raised his hand to any of us
0: do you have an idea where that element of violence came from
1: we talked about
2: this didn't we i have a that it's his irishness it, it i i have a theory it's his irishness in a way i felt that he felt he was an athlete he was i, I was enjoying my dad was just holding the mic to me there i nearly i nearly broke out into macarthur park or didn't we there was something significant about his um, his uh, that he was an athlete and he was this centre of attention as a young man, and I think that then he f- went through this situation of having TB. So he, a little bit like the pandemic, he spent two years by himself, and I think that when he came out, he he used the expression that he was the jockey on a wild horse that he couldn't control. And by the time Joe interviewed him, he, it was slowing down. And Harry Potter, he was suddenly this cute old guy.
0: The good grandfather, apparently. Yeah, in the but he,
2: he didn't... He got on this because he had this lust for life was three of us combined. And I think within that, anger is part of it.
1: Mm-hmm. It's a combination of things. But it was a, a unique, essential part of his personality.
0: My name is Cindy Burnett. And each week, I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. I want to ask you about your shared profession. Have you analysed his process and is there anything that you use?
1: Well, I mean, you know, again, this would be surprising to say, but he cared passionately about what he did, his work, and he was always prepared. Why is that surprising? Because people think that he was... I mean, you know, I mean, the, the, because the public images were that like, he was a sort of laissez-faire, devil-maker, you know, hell-raising, boozy... Um, Person who who, who, who took who took his talent for granted. Um, he cared passionately about what he did. When he showed up, he was always prepared. Um, so yeah, I I had learned that lesson. I do. I, I did a stage version. Uh, I did Hamlet on stage, and he played the ghost. And, but we filmed him, so I for a whole month, eight times a week, I I watched him. And every time that I was watching him on stage, interacting with the screen version of him, I noticed something different. You know, and it was a very, very, very layered performance. So.
0: Well, that, fortunately, that's my time. Thank you so much. For yeah, thank movie. you.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Hello, and welcome to Guilty Gleaney. I feel like we should start off this show by saying it's nearly impossible to be 100% sustainable, given the current world we live in.
2: How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Not a great analogy for a vegetarian, but you know. We're talking Uh. about sustainability, maybe not the best analogy. Don't eat the elephant is the first rule of the guilty (laughs) green.
0: There's your first challenge of the week. Avoid elephants. elephants.